This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. You're listening to episode 61. Just shut up. Of the In Between podcast, where you'll discover ideas to build a strong, connected, and joy filled marriage and family. My name is Daniel Lim. And I'm Christina M. Well, <laughs> you weren't, ta- you weren't no. telling me to shut up, right? No. <laughs> because no. We I was didn't... like, shut up and joy filled marriage. Yes. Like, wait, are we recording during a conflict? <laughs> no, no. We wouldn't do that. We would finish the conflict and probably not record afterwards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll make up in a different way. Yes, exactly. So, but today we have a great interview coming up. Vertical Marriage is the book. David Ann Wilson wrote it. And it is a, oh my goodness, just even the first question that we asked them about how in their 10th year wedding anniversary, one of them was done. Yes. Like completely done after a very romantic evening, just completely done where Dave thought the marriage was amazing. 10 and, out of 10. Yeah. 10, and, and was like 0.5 out of 10. Right. So in the interview, you're just going to hear their openness about their struggles in their marriage and how everyone thought they had it together and they had the impression of having it all together, but their marriage was really crumbling and how they've worked on it since. Right. So you'll hear why the just shut up (laughs) comes into play (laughs) in this whole story. But we just really wanted to encourage y'all for those, you know, the episode is called, I think I've married the wrong person. Mm. And honestly, Daniel and I, we've been there. We have been there where we're like, did we get married too young? Did we marry the wrong person? Like, why is this? Why is marriage taking so much work? Yes. When in Hollywood and in Disney movies and in fairy tales, it's like they meet and they live happily ever after. Exactly. Are we the only ones who are not living happily ever after? Mm. If I married someone else, would my happily ever after be them? Yeah, yeah. Have you ever had those thoughts? And maybe you've never verbalized them, but I think the longer you're married, you're it's, it's just inevitable that it's going to come. So what, do you, what will you do with them is the question. And you're going to love this interview with Dave and Ann Wilson. So Christina, why don't you tell us a little bit about who they are? So Dave and Ann Wilson are authors. They wrote mm. Vertical Marriage. They also started to be the radio hosts of a daily show on family life. So they talk about family and marriage as mm-hmm. well and interview others. And also they are the teaching pastors at Kensington Church, which is a large church out in Detroit. Yeah. So you're going to love this interview. Enjoy. We'd love to hear from you as you listen to it, as you interact with it, maybe even as you listen in. Think about who you could share this with with as well. And if you go to inbetween.org slash episode 61, you'll find information about everything that we've talked about in the show notes. So now let's listen in. Well, thank you, Dave and Anne for joining us on the In Between podcast. I seriously loved your book, The Vertical Marriage, because I identified with a lot of the story. (laughs) So there's one part where you're talking about it's your 10th year anniversary and one of you feel like something's going really great 
and the other one is thinking not so much. And I was thinking, we didn't go through it on our 10th anniversary. We went through it actually on our, what is called the seven-year itch. Yes. Yep. And so yeah. when you were saying yeah. that, I was like, oh, no, is there like a 10th year, like... <laughs> <laughs> like decade bomb or something. Well, thankfully we're beyond our tenth yeah, year now, so exactly <laughs> for sure. But do you mind telling us about that time and why there was a little bit of a conflict? I guess you could say. Yeah, I think marriages go through some real highs, and I don't think we understood at the time that marriages go through some real lows too, and that can be really normal. But we had gone through some real rough spots in the beginning of our marriage, and I felt like we got through those. But then in year 10, we had a four-year-old and a two-year-old. We were starting this church that was our dream and our passion to start this church. Dave was also the chaplain for the Detroit Lions football team, and so he was traveling on the road with them, doing Bible studies, leading stuff. And we were starting to fight more and more because he was gone more and more. And so I was so frustrated because I felt like we had been partners in every area, but suddenly he was kind of off doing his thing. And I felt like I wasn't a priority. Our kids weren't a priority. I was super frustrated and I was not nice about it. I was like, (laughs) you're leaving again? Like, come on. And I'm sure I didn't do a good job of that. But I, what happened was I just thought, wow, we're not doing well. We're not doing well at all. But our 10th anniversary came Hmm. and all of a sudden Dave is like, all right, I'm going to make this great. And so he, he makes a reservation for one of the best restaurants in the Detroit area. We get all dressed up. We go to this really great spot and he was amazing because he had had 10 roses. He gave those to the waiter and he for so every year he'd bring rose one and we would talk about year one of our marriage and then oh, he would nod and then I know, this is amazing like hey, it I, was, I was pretty romantic he was, <laughs> was? I thought I was yeah and so he's like you know he's putting all of his great effort into it he's charming he's wonderful but honestly, there was a part of me that felt like, dude, you're really late in t- coming. You know, like I mm. so appreciated all that he did, but I just thought you are you're putting all this effort in. But I feel like it's too late. My heart is pretty hard. So, okay. Dave, you can take it on to what you were. I thinking. mean, the crazy thing about everything Ann just told you is I was clueless to all of this. I thought our marriage was great. <laughs> and I don't know how he could have thought that because I was yelling and saying we're doing terrible. <laughs> I mean, I really look back. I'm like, I, I really can't understand how I didn't see the signs that we weren't doing well. Mm. Uh, but I really thought we're. if you would ask me before that night, what's your marriage on a scale of one to 10? I probably would have said a 10. I really did. And I, I would have it said that. it's a 0. 0.5. Wow. Maybe one closer to a 0. 0.5. I just thought we're, we're done. Wow. That's a huge discrepancy. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, you know, the, the first two chapters of the book are basically this story. And, you know, the, the funny thing about the book is I never thought we'd ever write a book based on the worst moment of our marriage. Huh. But this became the worst moment in our marriage. And we had, like Ann said, we had some down moments. I mean, the first year of marriage, we yelled at each other and said, I wish I'd married, never married you. I actually prayed one night that I'd rather die and go to heaven than be married to Ann. So, <laughs> and he told me that, by the way. I mean, that, 
Yeah, not I your most romantic moments. Tell your wife. <laughs> that's not a good thing to tell anybody. But yeah. anyway, that that's where we were, but we had gotten through it, and we're now 10 years later, and I'm thinking we're doing great. But that night, when we ended the date, I surprised her by going parking, which – I don't mean just parking the car. I mean, let's go parking. You guys know well, what that yeah. is, right? <laughs> I, he, I hadn't seen where we were going to start this our church at this little middle school. So he said, hey, I thought we could go at the end of our date and just pray, you know, of where we're going to start this church. And you can see where we are and we can pray about it. But I also knew he had this ulterior motive, you know, like uh, it's going to be more than just praying. The parking part is going to be big, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the laying on of hands. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Couples should go parking. That's what yes. I think. Anyway, long story short, and it isn't short, but um, when I went to kiss her, by the way, in the front seat of a Honda Accord, not much room, but um, she turned her turned her head away and. You know, that's when I finally realized, oh, Uh-oh. she's hmm. not where I am. And so I just asked her simply, is anything wrong? And she said, and it's chapter number one. The chapter title is she said six words that changed my life. And it was our life. She said, I've lost my feelings for you. And that's when it was like, what in the Whoa. world is going on? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it was it was interesting when he said that I didn't want to get into it that night because it really was a great night and he was amazing. But I, I really did feel in my heart, like it's too late. Um, and I thought, Oh, if I bring this up, we're just going to get in another fight. Cause Mm -hmm. as soon as I bring up the part of like, I feel like we're not a priority in the past, David always defended himself and said, I am a priority and you're wrong. And so I just thought, I don't want to go there, but that's where I just said, I've lost all my feelings for you, Dave. I've got nothing left. And I said, I started out really angry about it. And then my anger turned to bitterness and my bitterness turned to resentment. And now my, my resentment has turned to nothing. I don't even care that you're gone. And honestly, I don't really have much hope that we're going to make it. My heart is just totally disconnected. Yeah. And I was getting ready for him just to totally be mad at me for saying mm. that, but it was different. So Dave, you had said in your 10th year that you thought the marriage was going great. Uh, after having that conversation with Anne and you're reflecting back on how did my perception of our marriage, you know, how is it so different than hers? Could you notice any warning signs? Did you, uh, as you're reflecting back, did you see any? Oh yeah. When I, when I think back, uh, I should have seen all kinds of them. I was, you know, really chasing my career, starting this church, uh, doing the Detroit Lions ministry. And I was so outward focused. I mean, we had two little boys at home. You guys know that whole deal. It's just yes, huge hours demanded. You're exhausted. My wife wanted a partner. I was gone. I mm. was disconnected. I wasn't the dad I, I wanted to be. Again, I mean, I'd be getting in the car to go to a meeting and Ann would be yelling, where are you going? Why are you leaving? And how did I not see that? Right there it was. Mm. She was crying out, I want you. I need you. The boys need you. And I somehow just like compartmentalize it like, oh, that's that's one area of my life, but that's just a small area and we're good. Everything else is really important right now. I got to be at these meetings. I got to be leading this. I got to be speaking here. And I just missed the most important thing in my life hmm. was my wife and my kids, and it 
was like number 10. It just wasn't up there. Even though I said what every preacher says, right. <laughs> you know, God's first, my family's second, and my ministry's third. I was not living that. I actually didn't know it, but my ministry would have been first. I'm not sure where God even was because well. I wasn't really connected with him like I should. I was working for him, but mm-hmm. I was sort of leaving him in the dust. And again, I didn't see any of that until that moment in the car when Ann said, I've lost my feelings for you, was the defining moment in our marriage. So uh, why don't you help our listeners understand what happened afterward then? Yeah, well, what happened is almost a miracle because Ann started to share what she shared already that, you know, why she had lost her feelings and started to walk through sort of that journey. And the most incredible thing happened while Ann was talking to me I heard the voice of God talking to me. And again, it wasn't like an audible voice, but Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit of God lives inside me and he lives inside every believer. Um, So he's real and he can communicate. And it was just like a nudge. It was almost like a shove because I sort of sensed that God was saying, shut up. (laughs) It was that strong. It wasn't like be quiet, like really nice. It was like, shut up. Sometimes, you know, God has to get our attention that strong. And yeah. right. so I knew that, you know, because here's what was going on. It was it was a, when she started talking, I started to reach in the back seat, and in the back seat was my day planner. You know, back in the day, we wrote them down on paper. <laughs> yep. That's true. And I had it in the back seat. And I was going to do just what Ann, what I always did. I was going to pull that out and defend it myself and say, you're wrong. You're saying I'm gone all the time. Look, I was home Tuesday. I was home Friday. It was all in there, and I was convinced that she was wrong, so I was going to prove her mm-hmm. that she was wrong. And so I'm reaching for my day planner when I've heard God say, shut up. Don't touch your day planner. Don't interrupt her. Just listen. And so I honestly, she didn't even know this, but I pulled my hand back, and I never touched my day planner. And I think it might have been one of the first times in years that I actually heard her and wow. listened to her. And leaned in and said, man, what am I missing here? I want to really, I mean, the last place I ever wanted to be in my marriage was at a place where my wife had lost her feelings for me. Oh my gosh. It was mm-hmm. like, never, ever did I think we'd be here. And he, and it was real. We were there. Right. And I'm listening to her thinking, we might not make it. And so when God said, shut up, it's like, I needed to hear what she was saying. And then God said one more thing. And it was as clear as day. And it was just one word. And it was the word repent. Hmm. And here's the interesting thing about that is I knew what the word repent means. I know how to preach it. I've preached it many times. I'm a preacher. I know metanoia in the Greek means to change your mind. I know all that, but here's what it was so, so beautiful how God did this in one word. I knew everything God was saying to me and repent meant this. My walk with God was lukewarm. I was leaving God in the dust. I was too busy. I wasn't sitting with God and opening his word and having a relationship with him like I had done for decades. I was going to the word to get a sermon so I could preach it to a, or lead a Bible study and be applauded for it. Mm -hmm. And I knew this, Jesus was saying, if I'm not first, if you don't repent and put me back in first place, this marriage, this horizontal marriage has no chance. This whole thing is determined by vertical. If you're going to go vertical and put me first, then this marriage has a chance. But if you don't do that, it's never going to change. And so mm-hmm. I knew all that in one word. That's how beautiful it was. God knew me. I knew what he was saying. He loved me. He was longing for me mm-hmm. to return back to my first love. 
And so the night ended with me saying to Ann, listen, we need to talk, and it's really important that we talk, but before we talk, I got to do something, and I need to do it now. And I remember saying, you don't need to do this. This isn't about you. This is me. And I want to be on my knees when I do this. And she's looking at me like, what are you talking about? And you're still in the car at this point? Yeah, I got on my knees in the front seat of a Honda Accord. Oh, my goodness. It's a miracle. I don't know how I did it, but I just... You know, I don't always pray on my knees, but I felt like I wanted my posture to be in full submission. And I knew, man, I'm I'm literally preaching this stuff and not living it. We were actually already speakers for Family Life's Weekend to Remember. We had just started at that time. So we're going around the country talking to couples about marriage and I'm not living it. So repent really meant, man, put God back in first place, go vertical. And then let's let's talk about our marriage. So I I literally pray, God, I, I. I, I repent. I need to put you back in first. I need to surrender everything to you. I'm asking you to make me the husband that my wife deserves and the the, the father my kids long for. Mm-hmm. And so, God, I, I repent and put you back in first place. And, and then he- I turned to Anne and said, OK, let's talk. And as I turned, I look over and she's on her knees oh. in the front seat of that car. Mm. The reason I was on my knees and I was shocked, actually, that first of all, Dave could get on his knees in the car of a hunt of a court. I, it was, I was shocked when he did that. He said, Hey, before we talk anymore, I need to do something. And he, and he started, he prayed that prayer out loud. Hmm. It was interesting when he prayed it out loud. Yeah. I was so convicted, which mm-hmm. surprised me because I thought our marriage problems are Dave's fault because I'm not a priority. Right. And what I realized when he started praying, you know, Proverbs says a gentle answer turns away wrath. And I was all ready for the argument, but I wasn't ready for his, this heart of talking to God and the brokenness. And when he mm-hmm. started talking to God, I felt like God started talking to me. And I felt like he said, Ann Wilson, you have been trying to find your life and your happiness through Dave, thinking if he would just get his act together, you would be happy. But Dave Wilson was never created or meant or equipped to fulfill all of your needs. Mm. That is my job. And what I realized is I had taken my eyes off of Jesus and I had put them on Dave and our marriage, Mm. not even knowing it. It was just this gradual drift away from him, you know, where you stop glancing and and looking to God. and You start noticing the flaws of your marriage or the flaws and weaknesses of my husband. And so I realized I had made Dave an idol my marriage and idol. And I had, I had to say to God out loud in the car too, I got on my knees, said, God, I've made my marriage and Dave an idol trying to Mm -hmm. find my my happiness through them. And Lord, that's never what you created him to do or be. And I give you my life. We give you our marriage and we pray God that you would be first at all times in our marriage. And you'd help us get out of this because my feelings did not return overnight and I didn't Mm -hmm. know how to get them back. So I begged God that he would heal us. Right. Well, I think that's so powerful what both of you are saying in the sense where, yes, that night you told each other the truth, you both repented. But then, Anne, what you said is, you know, the next day you didn't wake up and everything was okay. That you were returning, you know, the feelings came back and all of that. Can you walk us through that journey a little bit? Because I know there's lots of us, even including myself, who's gone through hard times and almost you expect God to speak to you and then his fingers would snap and everything's good again. Like the genie. <laughs> yeah, nice? exactly. so nice if it always worked like that. Yeah. I know, right? Mm. The wait is over. 
Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babyland, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. Yeah, so what kind of changes, even in your heart or even in the practical scheduling of life, did y'all have to do to continue to put God first? It's a good question because we, I honestly, I was afraid that my feelings wouldn't come back. And I, I was begging God to bring them back instantly. Mm-hmm. But man, we had to work on it and it took a lot of effort and time of rearranging our schedules. And Dave was really good at yeah, this. I, th- I think one of the ways to look at it, we tried to explain this in the book, is uh, your walk with God and your walk in your marriage is similar to like working out. Like when you make a decision to change your body, you 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 set certain rhythms and disciplines into your life to say, I'm going to eat a certain way. I'm going to start mm-hmm. working out. And so one of the things we tried to, tried to do, and again, Anne's right, it didn't change overnight. But as we started changing a rhythm in our in our vertical walk with God, and in our horizontal marriage, we sort of combined those two, mm-hmm. and it and it took time. But over time, these rhythms started to change. So I refer to it in the book this way: there's a daily thing that we started doing together. There's a weekly thing, and then an annual thing. We call it divert daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually. I, mm-hmm. I got that from uh, Rick Warren, okay. uh, a way to build rhythms in your life in your spiritual walk, but it applies to your marriage as well. So divert daily simply means every day build some time some time into your your schedule where you pull away from your schedule pull away from the busyness and craziness of being a mom and a dad and a husband and wife and working and you spend time with God you just carve it out you can call it a quiet time a devo time whatever you want it's like man I'm gonna sit with God for 10 minutes or 15 minutes or 30 minutes or five or whatever and carve this out but here's what we tried to do in the book is say do that together. And now you've got a vertical and horizontal thing going at the same time. So you're helping your walk with God, but you're building your marriage as well. So it's this simple. How about as a married couple, and a lot of couples never do this, and we weren't doing this, every day pray together. Well, we had done that in the past, but, you know, it's just easy to drift away. You get busy and it goes to bed before the other. And honestly, I'm just going to say I was resentful because Dave would fall asleep. And here's what I would think. We should pray together. But he's the spiritual leader and he should lead. And if he's not going to lead, then I'm not going to do it. Mm. You know, it's like uh, of all the things we could do, that would be one of the best things. And there's a spiritual battle going on in our marriages where if there's anything the enemy of our soul, Satan, would not want us to do, it would be to pray together. So I I remember even that thinking, I don't care if Dave's going to lead. And many times he did after that. Even if he doesn't, I am going to pray. And it could be just a quick like, Lord, will you help us? You know, we need you. We need you to help us in our marriage. So something like that quick. But we also took maybe our kids are little. It's so hard when your kids are little. But we would just take even 10 or 15 minutes and catch up on the day. Like, how are you doing? What's going on? That was helpful. Yeah, we've, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, since the book's been out, we've gotten Facebook and Instagram, Twitter posts back to us from couples that just started that one discipline. Just said, you know, we're going to do that. We're going to pray together one minute, two minutes a day. And it's amazing these 
post yeah. we get back, it's like our marriage is changing. Like, yeah, you're going vertical and you're doing it together. Phenomenal. It's a simple rhythm, but it, it can change a lot of mm. things. And then the other thing, withdrawal weekly simply means, man, build into your calendar a date night or a date lunch or a date, whatever. Mm-hmm. Get away as a couple for a couple hours. And I know when you got little kids, it's really hard to do. I'm telling you, it is one of the best things you can do for your kids is build your marriage. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. So you, you book that sitter, you get your wife out of the house, you get out of the house and you spend some time talking to each other, communicating. And again, it's just a couple hours, but we, again, we got lazy in that area. So that was something that you well, know, couples need to do is get away at least once a week. If you can't do that, at least every couple of weeks, build some time in to work on your marriage. And I'll tell you, this is what Dave did, which I was blown away, away by this. We would go out on our date and we would actually go deep and talk about our relationship. Because even if we did go out, we didn't really talk about us because we'd end up in a fight. So on these right. dates, here's what Dave asked me. On a scale of one to 10, where do you think we are in our marriage? That was so courageous of him because this is every date he would ask you that every date for that, probably that first year he would ask me that. Well, trust me, I didn't want to ask her because I knew, (laughs) (laughs) you know, her number was going to be lower than mine, but I also, I never wanted to have that night again. I never wanted to be in a marriage where she lost her feelings. So I'm like, man, I don't know how we're doing. I thought I did. I obviously don't. You do. So. And then he would ask this question. How do you think we should get high? How could we get our number higher? Hmm. Which I thought that was really brave too, you know, because it was, it was, it was, I felt like it wasn't, he he wasn't using any pride, you know, he's being very humble of asking me. I thought that was really cool. And so, you know, that's a, that's a a date, but that's also a weekly checkup, a weekly check-in. Okay. which is really important because if you don't schedule it, you can go months. You know how it is. You go months yes, and you don't even talk about And the other side of that on the vertical side is, man, we made sure that getting to church or getting to a small group or a Bible study was part of our rhythm weekly as well because there's this, mm-hmm. the vertical and there's the horizontal. And then the last part is simple. We call it abandoned annually. Is this once a year, get away. Whether it's a vacation or even just as good, go to a re- retreat, go to a marriage retreat, work on your walk with God, work on your marriage together. And again, most, we speak at marriage conferences all around the country and I'm not kidding. Everyone we do, a couple or two will walk up and go, man, this is the first time we've done this in 15 years. Isn't that good? And we're like, no, that's not good (laughs) for you. But they're like, you need to do this, you know, at least once a year, it's just that important to pull away from your normal life and routine and say, let's focus on our walk with God. Let's focus on ourselves or we're going to lose ourselves eventually. And most couples just don't do it. And again, that was sort of how do you go vertical? That's how you do it practically daily, weekly, annually. I love that. I love, I love the practicality of that. Um, when other couples are fighting, uh, what, what kind of advice do you typically share with them and, and, you know, in regards to anger and, um, yeah, what, what advice would you have for the couples? Maybe even if the, the, one of the spouses are listening right now and they're like, well, I would love, you know, should I send this podcast episode to us? <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you kind of deal with that? That always works really good. Doesn't it? <laughs> Read this book. Hey honey, listen to this podcast. Yeah, that exactly. doesn't go well. Just um, download it on their phone. Yeah, you know, that question is a huge one. We put a, I think four or five chapters in a book, a whole section on resolving conflict. Cause mm. we believe 
the number one factor that will sort of determine your happiness and your future marriage is how you handle conflict. Yeah. It really is. And every couple knows how to have conflict. Very few know how to resolve it. How do, how do we get so through true. this, this hurt and this offense and this pain to actually a place of forgiveness on the other end? That's a process. And honestly, when we got married, we had no clue. I actually ran away from conflict. Every mm. time we had it, I would, I'm not kidding. I would literally leave the room. And I, <laughs> I'm one that likes to resolve conflict. Okay. I'm, I would call myself back in the day, a winner, like, let's get at this. And so Dave would leave the room and I would yell, oh my gosh, come back here and fight me like a man, you chicken. <laughs> <laughs> that did not go well. <laughs> okay. So you don't recommend like, that. <laughs> That's so bad. <laughs> and so one of the things I had to learn to do, because I'm also a verbal processor. Okay. So if it came into my mind, I just said it. Yeah. And I, I love scripture. I love how practical the Bible is. It says to take every thought captive. Mm -hmm. I didn't catch anything. I didn't take it captive. I let it run wild. So what I would say, anything that came to my mind to Dave, and I hurt him so often, I would say things that I shouldn't say. So one of the things that I did just practically speaking was I would take that thought, like if I was about to say something, I would capture it mm. and think, and I would go to God and ask this question, God, should I say this? That alone can change so many arguments. Should I say this? And then if I should say it, how should I say it? And if I do, and how should I say it? And when should I say it? Just doing those three things for me was absolutely life-changing because I use my words many times as a weapon to hurt mm, Dave. Right. And I think doing that had take, took discipline. It took me being with God first to even ask him, which mm -hmm. then when you bring God into an argument, that really does change everything of, of how you communicate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I, I had the process through in our first few years of marriage, why I ran away from conflict. And it was pretty mm -hmm. simple. I mean, it wasn't hard to connect the dots. I grew up in a divorced home with a couple of alcoholic parents and, you know, I saw conflict. It always ended badly. In mm. fact, it ended in divorce. And so I sort of had this, you know, belief about conflict is that it's bad. You avoid it at all costs. And I got to be honest, I now believe conflict is good. I mean, not good. It's medium. But how you handle <laughs> it can actually bring intimacy and bring you right. closer together if That's true. you learn how to handle conflict. And we always say, we say this in the book, handling conflict or communication is really about two things. One is skills. You need to learn how to listen. You need to learn how to speak the truth and love. There's some skills involved, mm -hmm. but I think bigger than skills is attitude. It's an attitude when I'm in a conflict that says, I want to listen and I'm going to be quiet and I'm going to lean in and ask questions. Why? Because you are so valuable to me. You are mm -hmm. precious to me. I know we don't feel that in a conflict, we feel like sometimes the opposite of that. But the truth is, Anne is the most important woman in my life, second to my relationship with God. And so I want to hear her and I want to understand why she feels hurt and what she's mad about and what the anger's coming from. So that that's an attitude. You have really a Philippians two attitude that says you're you're more important than I am. And so I want to lean in and listen and I want to do everything I can to get to forgiveness. Now that's hard because mm -hmm. yeah, you know walls are built up and you get hurt. But man, the attitude is, God, help us. We've got to get to resolution. I don't want to stay in a fight. 
help us work through this thing. And I tell you what, sometimes those yeah. conflicts take days. Yeah. It's okay to go to bed mad. Yeah. If you're going to talk about it tomorrow, and I know often we don't think the Bible says we should go to bed mad. It says, you know, the, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Mm -hmm. But if you started the conflict at 8 p.m. at night, the sun already went down. So you got till tomorrow night. <laughs> I've never thought of it like that. That's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, 12 hours. Go. <laughs> we honestly thought that was like literal, but it's not literal. It's a practice. Paul's right. saying, do this quickly. Don't let it linger for a week or a month or till Christmas you know, talk about it. But sometimes it took me an evening to process. I didn't know what I was feeling. And Anne would get mad at me for saying, I don't know what I'm feeling. She said, what are you feeling? I don't know. And then tomorrow I'd wake up and go, I think I know now because I'm a slower processor. And then it was like, okay, let's talk today. And so the next day we'd resolve it. And actually, if you look at research, the happiest couples sometimes don't resolve their conflict today. They resolve it tomorrow. But oh, they don't wait a week. They don't wait a month. They get after it again tomorrow and say, okay, we got to get to the root of this anger. We got to get to the root of how we're going to get to forgiveness. And at the, then at some point, and again, we're taking a huge topic and trying to talk about it in 10 minutes. Right. But then at some point, you've got to choose, and it's a choice, to let go of your hurt and choose to forgive. Right. Give up your right to punish. And again, that's a big deal. It took me 30-some years to forgive my dad. So mm -hmm. I, I understand it's hard and it's deep and it doesn't go away in a day. It's a it's a process that says I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to a place of forgiving. Okay. So what would you say to someone who comes and says, you know, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to lay down, uh, you know, my anger and confess and as well as want to solve it. But the other spouse is like, nope. We're not going to talk about this. We're done. We're, we're shutting down. How can we encourage that spouse who just feels like they're always the one taking the first step, but it's not being reciprocated? I think that was Dave and I for quite a while when okay. we first got married, um, just because he thought conflict was bad. I think having a conversation when you're not in an argument, maybe it's just when you're on a date or whatever, to even ask that question, when, when we start fighting or we're in a conflict, what's going through your head? Like, what do you right. feel about it? Do you, do you hate it? And if you hate it, what, what, what do you hate about it? Where did that come from? And that's what I started asking Dave even, like, why do you hate conflict so much? And then he told me about this time when he was, his parents were fighting, his dad was abusive, and he mm. and his sister would hide under the kitchen table. And I'm thinking, no wonder he mm. hates conflict because right. it ended up in divorce. And so we carry so much baggage in from our past. And I think one of the great things we can do as couples is just ask each other questions of the whys behind some of our strong perceptions and mm. our strong opinions of like, tell me what you feel about conflict. How would you like us to have conflict? What would that look like? I know one of the things Dave would say is I pressed in so hard. It was like almost badgering him oh, okay. because he didn't do it. And I was like forcing it and that made him run away even more. Yeah. So having just those honest um, conversations about our past, because that's where we really carry it in from our past of what that looks like and the whys behind it would be a great start. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. Now, Dave and Ann, we're, um, we'll let our listeners know where they can find you 
afterwards, but you, you guys host a, a national radio ministry. We'd love for you to just, uh, as we, you know, come to the end of the podcast for you to maybe share something you've discovered about marriage since writing the book and, uh, maybe some, maybe common hurdles or even just encouragement to our listeners. Yeah, I would say this, you know, we, uh, do a daily radio show now with family life today, which is family life ministries out of little rock. So you know, we're, we're in a studio talking to authors and marriage and it, the whole show is on marriage and family and any topic that, that is in that area. And the thing we've, we've learned writing the book and then getting feedback from people now reading the book, the thing we hear almost every interview we do, I'm sure you guys feel the same thing when you do podcast interviews is I would just say this, never, never give up. Hmm. Um, God is there. God is with you. I know there's some people listening right now and they're, they're in a dark valley. Um, they think our marriage is so much easier and better than theirs. And I don't think they can, you know, even understand the pain and the valley and the darkness we were in is probably similar to where they are. It's probably different circumstances or scenarios, but I just know this, God is still a God that does miracles. And I, and I, again, the miracle isn't, change my spouse, the miracles change me. I can't control my spouse. And I couldn't control Anne and she couldn't control me, but I could control myself and I could get on my knees before God and beg God and ask God to to work in me. And I prayed for Anne and I prayed for my spouse. And so I would just say, man, you can't change your husband. You can't change your wife, but yes, you can let God change you. And that's where hope starts. It's like God can give you a peace that's bigger than your marriage. God can give you a power that to, to be the wife, to be the husband that you can't be, he can do that. And that's what going vertical and that's what vertical marriage means is I'm going to find my life from Christ. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to find it from my spouse because by the way, your spouse will uh, let you down anyway. They they weren't built or made to give you happiness that can only come from Jesus. And so yeah. it's, it's really keep, keep, keep going vertical, keep going back to Jesus and finding life there. It's the only hope. It's the only source of real hope. I love Exodus 14, 14. It just came to my mind because it's it's basically about Moses and the exodus of the Israelites out of mm-hmm. Egypt. And I love when God says, um, you need only to be still and I will fight for you. Wow. And sometimes I think we need that application in our oh. marriages. Sometimes we just need to go to him and remember that he loves us and he's always fighting on our behalf. Yeah, that's so good. Well, thank you so much, Dave and Ann, for being on the podcast with us. Mm. Oh, it's been a joy. Thank you. So fun. And if anybody wants to connect with us, we're just Dave Ann Wilson on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Dave Ann Wilson. No E with the word Ann, just A-N-N, Dave Ann Wilson. (laughs) We'll be sure to put it in our show notes as well. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. So understand why now (laughs) (laughs) why you said shut up at the beginning yeah Yeah, exactly that was that was quite the interview really right I feel like they were just so honest Mm -hmm. and so raw about where they both were and how incredible it was that one was literally like shocking in a way of just literally like ready to give up and the other one was like what yeah what is happening and the intentionality afterward that it wasn't just Everything is all great now. You know, we worked it out. Tomorrow's everything's fixed. You know, mm-hmm. it's the genie that, you know, just cross your 
arms, blink your eyes, and everything is okay. No, marriage takes work. It really does, yeah. and continually, mm-hmm. and from both sides as well. Yeah. And y'all know if you've been listening to our podcast that we always encourage y'all to have those tough conversations, yeah. but also to continue to have those conversations. I love what Dave said, where every time they would go on a date, And he would ask, okay, on a scale of one to 10, where are we? Mm. And being able to not just do it because he knows that Anne will appreciate that, but because he really wanted to come to a point where he was continuing to work on the marriage together. Yeah. So we thank you for listening in. Uh, Be sure to pick up a copy of their book, Vertical Marriage, everywhere books are sold and, and you heard where you can find them on social media as well. But next week on episode 62, we are going to be beginning a conversation. We're probably going to be talking about this on an, in an ongoing manner. Yes. Because it's, it's just... It's needed. It is. It really is. <laughs> but next week, we're going to have a begin a conversation around social media, technology, and children. See you next week.